Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Oh, look at that. I knew something about a punk band. Just some old fat drunk dudes jumping up and down. (laughs) This tree just planted itself right on top of the cement. I did watch... A YouTube video today. My dad mashed potatoes of Chris Carava. Aaron doesn't know who Chris Carava <laughs> is. It's so good. That's great. We know that you like to talk, Mike. It's not a secret. Tread lightly. Everyone knows it. I'm pretty. Is this sure like an intervention? Is that what's happening? Really work for me. That is totally a great way to think about it. Is this... Is this... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Punk Tree. Uh, it's uh, Jesse here with Mike and Aaron. And this is something that we've never done before. It's uh, It's great. It's so good. It's so good. That's right. We all put pants on yep. to record an episode. That's what it is. And we are... We are together. We're actually person. together in the same place, and which has never happened. Like I don't know, a meter and a half of each other. Yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah, we've all had a couple yeah. doses of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Of the vaccine. Of the vaccine. Pfizer, personally. People. Pfizer, you were Moderna, Moderna, right? Moderna. Oh man. Oof. Anyways, yeah. Recent <laughs> research has supported. Supported. Talking about science here. That the Moderna protect protects against the delta variant better than pfizer so that's that's great that's all right i'm already doing well, good news you said Moder- moderna you, you got sick I, I, you got sick i didn't get sick oh from from the actual yeah from the actual, from the actual shot actual, uh, yeah vaccination that's true yeah okay I, that the first that's what i was I talking about okay great. that's true okay well we are together it's awesome to actually like cheers each other with our cans of beer we've got in our clink clank 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 um but also, just one other thing you guys were just sort of mentioning was that he works for you, but you work for him. No okay. one works for anybody. That's like a weird yeah. thing to... Th- I know, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, we had quite a bit of a hiatus recently where we weren't putting out any episodes, and it's because you guys were both working your tails off getting new jobs. Uh, yeah. Congrats, Aaron. Thank uh, you very much. That's an awesome new role. Yeah. What, what is it you're doing? Uh, so, I guess we've never talked about this on the podcast, but... I did two years ago um, change genders. What <laughs> genders? I'm no. That's nope. He not didn't. Something we're talking he about. He could have. Yet. He could have, but he, he didn't. He didn't do that. And besides, it takes longer than two years to change genders. 
If this were on Zoom, you never would have heard that, that little tiny whisper. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. But Aaron, you, you did a couple years ago make a, yes. a career shift. I shifted my careers, uh, decided becoming a high school teacher of biology, and finished my credential. The year that the COVID-19 pandemic started, uh, which made it very hard to find a job, but then I did get a long-term substitute position in the Escondido Union High School District. Woot woot. Yep. And, uh, you know, being a long-term sub isn't terribly glamorous, but it was my foot in the door, and now I've got a full-time gig there teaching uh, high school biology and physical education. Fantastic. It's yep. perfect. You're going to be very good at it. Thank you. That's awesome. It's yes. really, really cool. Um, my goal is to have the most swole PE students. I think you should have the California. most swole biology students, and then your PE you students so? should just be a bunch of shrimps. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like dudes. It's it's like getting one buff arm and the other one's just like garbage. Make my (laughs) my PE students just study people exercising, and make my biology students study biology through exercising their bodies. I love it. Well, it's great. Jesse made a great reference to me under his breath. Kind of. We've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty these days, (laughs) and in season three. There's the episode where the creature's uh, arm attaches itself... uh, When they're in the sort of Mad Max world. Yeah, to Morty. And the arm controls Morty now, and it just goes on a killing rampage. It just murders everyone. It murders a lot of people. Just smashes and kills everyone. Uh, Yeah, I also made a big shift uh, in roles. Um, You're out of the classroom. I'm out of the classroom. uh, I actually joined Aaron in Escondido Union High School District. And I'm helping to support how we teach and how we learn as students and adults. Um, and it's been really cool so far. It's been a really that's awesome. weird well, that's transition. Teachers and students haven't come back yet to complain to you, which I'm going to do <laughs> a lot of. I am going to be in your office quite a bit. Oh, no. I do have an office, which is... An interesting shift, a twist to the tail. You even have a standing desk. I saw in that picture that you sent Jesse and I. How does that feel? Um, one of those people. It makes me tired to stand really? so much, but it's a good tired. Did they not? Your even... Apple Watch is probably so proud of you. For oh, I get standing. so many circles. I get so many circles <laughs> and circles. It doesn't. Like I'm kind of a circle jerk. That you've been standing like too long. Too long? No, I stand maybe 16, 17 hours a day, which is. Are there yeah, that many hours? Feels like a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But we gotta, we've got to get into some music oh, yeah. here. We've got to get into some music here. My job hasn't changed, which is the same job I've been doing for a long time. But And your job on the podcast hasn't changed, which is to make sure that we uh, keep our shit together. Yep. Oh, nice. That's my job? Oh, boy. I yeah. think it is, and we'll see how it goes tonight. No, but, so, <laughs> probably do another so, line, Jesse. So we've, got, we've got a theme that we've come up. We'll probably do several episodes similar to this where, we, um, where we, we're choosing a year, and then we're just trying to take a little time capsule and go back and just remember what we were listening to in that year and so i'm thinking we'll probably have two big segments here one where it's like stuff you know you were listening to around that time didn't have to come out in that year but maybe it came out around then but just know what you were doing at that point in time and then a second segment which is just like what actually was released that year that you bought or were definitely 
getting and listening to it. You probably were buying it at that time. Yeah, and for all of Master us, this is kind of like high school us. time. Like you were, you were like a freshman. I was, I was right in the middle of high school. You were like a freshman, freshman. sophomore. I think you were I'm the same year as Jesse. Okay, oh, so I thought you were one year older than me, but we were the same year in school. We could argue I about this. It's really okay. not important to argue about this. I mean, age is just a number, guys. What's important is we haven't um, recorded in a while, and so one thing we always do is talk about what we've been listening to. Um, I sent you guys a photo yesterday of of a new record day. It's always exciting for me, and it's been a while since I purchased some new vinyl. Um, but I do have two things. I think one might be a little bit of a steal. Um, but the first one is I've been listening to a lot of Black Pumas, which is a little bit of like an aside from a lot of the punk music that I listen to all summer and all spring. Uh, but I've been just digging super quality like Austin Blues guitar with some R&B, really great songwriting, um, really cool like graphic design and stuff on their work. So I woke up to the morning sky first Baby blue just like we did When I get up off this ground Shaking leaves back down to the brown, 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 brown that's been that's been spinning now um and i just have to be the one that does this i've also been binging over and over and over again something i am utterly thrilled about which is the single scavengers from the upcoming new album from thrice I didn't know you were going to mention that. And you it is just the first thing, and I was like, "That's definitely what I've got as well." Damn, I and it's okay. That one of you were going to mention that. I'm ashamed that you weren't. <laughs> that I, I told you guys the other day. I was trying to listen to it, and you kept texting me. I That's said, right. "Stop texting me, or I'm not going to listen to Thrice anymore." It literally was and like, "You here's, did not here's, stop," so I have not. It's lyrically Thrice. so good, and guitar nerd wise, this thing is. It's incredible. The layering of guitars and the recording of fat, huge guitars with cool ambient things without being too muddy. It's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've listened to a bunch of times. Rec- or just not even recently. It's been it's barely been 24 one hours. One day. It's yeah, been out one for day. one day. Yeah, and so that was Aaron was listening to it for the first time because you sent it to him like, oh, here's the new, the new track. Listen to it. And Aaron, we're literally texting about like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, this sounds so great. Oh, did you hear that part? And I was and in the Aaron's, middle of listening to it. I started yeah, it right before you, Mike texted. You got interrupted probably at least eight times, like just right in the middle mm-hmm. of trying to listen to it. So I just didn't finish the song. But anyways, best stuff has been spinning for me, but also something I've been listening to a lot over the last few months that just hasn't changed and probably won't for a long time is a band, uh, the band Knuckle Puck. Um, I didn't know them very well at all until approximately five or six months ago. You're welcome. Yeah, that was definitely Aaron. I don't remember the exact means. Did you just say listen to Knuckle Puck? No, I mentioned that I was um, being brave and trying out some pop punk, which isn't something that I'm really into, and mentioned it and then 
That's right. You said you, like you were it. listening to like a knuckle puck, just a YouTube mix. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I was like, oh, I don't know them. And I checked them out. And now they're quite literally one of my favorite bands. What? Just that that quick. It was like, oh, that is exactly right, right in my wheelhouse, what I love. Uh, so like my favorite record from them, because I've gone all the way back. They just released an album during the pandemic in 2020. I like that record a lot. But my favorite is the Shapeshifter album, which came out a few years before that. And uh, yeah, probably one of my favorite songs off it is, uh, if I had to name just one, I would say Everyone Lies to Me. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? Oh man, so uh, one of the main things that's been um, playing in my ear holes has been Rise Against uh, new album, Nowhere Generation. Uh, they had released two songs prior to the CD being released, uh, which was Broken Dreams, which actually has been out for a long, long time, and it's really great. And then Nowhere Generation, which took a while for me to um, really latch on to, but it is a great, great song. Um, but the entire CD uh, album, whatever you want to call it, um, is great they really seem to have like um gone back to a lot of their elements that made them rise against originally uh a little more of the faster punk angrier sounding stuff and uh i would say i really really enjoy it all right so our our goal tonight is to talk about a year, 1999 1999 was the year that we decided to start with i don't know why i think I'm worried. I like. I'm worried that it's because it was like my prime. No, don't worry. That's not it. Okay. <laughs> Good, because that would have been that would have been a bummer. What I remember when we said let's pick a year, we were like, oh, that's just a simple idea. We just talk about stuff from a, from a, a year. But somehow we all strangely just were like, why not 1999? Like simultaneously, it was like, yeah, that's the year. Yeah. To start. Why I, did that happen? So there might be something about like the independence thing. Like that's like the beginning of adulthood, right? You're like, yeah. like adolescence is like, kind of almost wrapping into like, really teenage independence and and angst and like, I don't know. For for me, that was like the, the epitome of like the angsty, almost adult. You know, I see the world now a little bit. Maybe I have these feelings. I like girls a lot. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it. They don't seem to like me that much. I would definitely kind of say that that was approximately around the time where I would say that I was making more more of my own choices with what I wanted to listen to. Now, I was already choosing what I wanted to listen to. It just happened to be pulling off the records from my dad's record collection for like from ages like 5 to 12 was listening to what my dad had, which is great. But I would say around this time was when it was like, oh, I want to listen to something else that you don't have in your music library, dad. Which is really saying something because... He has more compact discs than anyone ever. Yeah, I know one person who has more. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah, and but yes, it's an incredible collection. Even though he has regularly like culled 
the collection like yeah. by like a hundred at a time it's still there's there's many 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 discs but is that one person that you mentioned like your hoarding grandma that has no it's it's AOL my mentor it's my mentor in education and he listens to all kinds of music a lot of jazz and he's he's in his 70s and he's just been collecting music his entire life and um his son's a professional musician but anyways, <laughs> music's would, a big part of that which life one can you anyways, that's on at least podcast? A, i was like a jazz musician you wouldn't know that's at least a small part Kenny of... G? No, no, not Kenny G. Although I did see our friend Brandon Walters from uh, yeah. from college. He's the new guitar player for the Wallflowers, yeah. which is so crazy. Yeah, The Wild. Wallflowers are still around? The Wallflowers, yeah. Jacob Dylan. Jacob Dylan. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's get going. Okay, we so got a lot to the, talk the about. The first part is, is, is to get into stuff that you know you were listening to in that year. Didn't have to be released in that year, but you just know, like, oh, yeah, I was that age. I was that year in school. These were my friends. We were doing this. This was the kind of stuff we were listening to. So things adjacent to 1999, but prior. And I'm just going to say one thing I know I was listening to at that time was <clears throat> Ska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ska. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was, a, like, near the end of that phase oh, for yeah. me, for sure. But, like, one of my favorite bands uh, right around then that I would have been listening to a lot was Five Iron Frenzy. So, which has made an amazing comeback. We talked about on yeah. an episode a few episodes I ago. I love that new record. The new record's fantastic. But I was definitely listening to Scott that time. Uh, Five Iron Frenzy. I listened to a lot of um, like Real Big Fish, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, uh, Super Tones. Um, so I was definitely still listening to Scott. Right around that. I was were, you, were you an Insiders fan? Did yeah, you like the Insiders, the insiders okay. as well. The W's. They were a little oh, swingy. Yeah. I forgot you, about You are the W's. devil and devil is bad? Hey. Who was he talking about? Uh, Satan? I think I George don't W. <laughs> I don't. I mean, you don't think so? This is, I guess he was running. Because that was a little before. Well, no, no, but I don't know what year that was. That was a little early. Oh, that's right. That's probably a little seven, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Was, I think I, I don't know if it was. George HW. George Oh. All right, so yeah. uh, the, I'm sure. You yeah, guys... so the ska thing's interesting. <laughs> I I had a ska phase. Yeah. I I was a trumpet player growing up. I started playing trumpet when I was in fifth grade. I was extremely into it. It was actually my major. My first year of college was performance trumpet. I was a music major playing trumpet. Um, and some of my best friends were trumpet players, and. Uh, so the ska thing I was into, I played trumpet in a ska band a little bit, played drums in a ska band for one show one time. I'm not a drummer, I'm terrible at it. Uh, but really, like, coming into 99, like, I was I was listening to, like, the shift in things. Because like you, I listened to a lot of my dad's music. My dad had, like, lots of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, my house was a very, like, music house. My mom listens to listen to all kinds of music she still does she's a huge music fan my mom goes to concerts and stuff all the time um so the things i was kind of listening to i also grew up in the middle of nowhere and we didn't have like access to like i did not have mtv i didn't have some of the exposure to some of the pop music that other people did uh and so it was sort of like i listened to the radio as much as i could and even the radio this sounds pathetic but even the radio i could only get the like rock quote-unquote rock station Ooh, if i put called? um uh it was called kgb it was kgb 
um, oh my gosh, it was from like the Coachella Valley. And I know KGB, like the Russians, they were listening. Yeah. But yeah, head. Um, it's yeah. also a well-known radio station here in Southern California. It is, it I is. Mean, I've seen stickers everywhere. So it's in the Coachella Valley, yeah. I think is where it was. And I literally had to put my boom box on my back patio of my house with the antenna just right to get it. But I used to do the whole mixtape thing. Like I would put a tape in, like a, like a 120 on mm -hmm. one side, and I would record that station and I'd go to school. And I'd come back from school and I would put that tape in, I would listen to it. And then the, the ones and you And then yep. when I heard distorted guitar, I would start recording to my mixtape on the other side. Right? And this is like a thing I think all of us in the like 80s, 90s kids, like we did. And, uh, and I would make mixtapes out of it. That was like the mid 90s for me when I was like mm. middle school kind of age. I, I started to like some bands from that time. Like I really liked Bush. Mm -hmm. um, and I really liked uh, early Rage Against the Machine stuff was like mind blowing for me. And I was listening to a lot of that at the time. Like Evil Empire. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I also was still like really, really listening. Uh, by 1999, I had kind of gotten into punk rock music. I was listening to like some Descendants at the time. I was listening to uh, some like Bad Religion already at the time. But I was in love with a local band actually from San Diego that got pretty big with a couple singles. Um, and specifically, I was really, really into the self-titled album by Unwritten Law. I was all about it. It came out, I think, early 1998. Um, and it had some songs that were just... It was such a crazy good recording. Um, Jesse and I are super lucky. We actually tracked drums at the studio yeah. where this album was recorded, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but some songs like California Sky was like huge deal everyone in my little friend group loved it um intro track like harmonic where like it wasn't simply power chord punk rock it was like interesting guitar parts amazing drums super strong vocal i listened to unwritten law way more than i listened to blink 182 Oh, your finger pointing indicates no, no, no. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I feel some pride that, like, I, I never fell too, too far into the Blink One Eight Two trap. And I know they're going to come up more. We'll talk about them in a bit. We'll totally talk about them in a bit. But I really liked uh, Unwritten Law. So now this pause means it's my turn. I, just talk, man. Okay. <laughs> um, yes and yes uh, and yeah, always the, yes and. <laughs> <laughs> the ska thing um, seems to be a um, common thread here, and I was also a little bit into ska. Uh, I do remember, um, it was like the heyday of ska was like a little bit before 99, and growing up in a conservative Christian home, um, I was very sheltered when it came to music. So for me, 99 
that was like the year that I kind of figured out how to smuggle music into my home and hide it from my parents. <laughs> um, so that's why I chose it. How, how did you do it? How? Um, the mixtape thing. Um, you know, at this point, I kind of got into the groove of like finding odd jobs where I could make a little bit of money. And I also like stopped having my parents drive me everywhere and I would just skate wherever I went. You know, and like I live in a small town, I could skate from one end of the the city to the other in like 30 minutes, right? And that sounds like a big deal for some people, but like it's better than having my mom drive me mm-hmm. to Walmart or wherever I was going to well, go. Well, I guess at Walmart. That's not yeah. a small town. Um. Okay. That's the standard. So I do understand that because Mike came from a town with a couple thousand people. Four forty five hundred. Okay, forty five hundred, and the town that I grew up in was like twenty five thousand people. Yeah, so that was like the capital of our county. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I get it. Um, but to most people that are listening to this, twenty five thousand people is going to be a. Small Were you listening like a Walkman or a Discman or yeah something like that? Yeah. Discman. Um, my mom had a little boombox that like. If she wasn't home, I would take it in my room and play my Punkarama yeah. 3. Yeah. Um, totally. But yeah, I would um, skate to Walmart and buy it because Walmart is the only thing that we had. And so, of course, with Walmart being the only place that sold CDs in our town, I was further constrained to what I could really listen to. Right, And, and all clean. No explicit lyrics at Walmart. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, even even with these versions that that were were the clean versions from Walmart, did you have to physically hide the oh, yeah. the compact discs? Yeah. Where? Um. I mean, I didn't have to put too much effort into it. Like my parents didn't snoop too much. Oh okay. So like, I don't know. I just kind of put them in one of my drawers. Okay. And that yeah. was good enough. Um, also, my parents trusted me more than they should have yeah, i think yeah. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> it worked out though right yeah um i mean i also trade stuff for cds right so like i think i traded a zip lighter for rancid's let's let go uh-huh. once all right so i just trade people for cds that i wanted and keep those um yeah Oh man, I think a lot of that was a thing, though. I, one other piece of it was that around this time, I was like super free to go to shows. So like if if there was if there was a show, my parents were really like I think 1999 was around the first time. Maybe 98, 99 was around the first time my parents were like, yeah, I could convince them like, hey, I want to go to the show in San Diego, and they were like, take a couple of my friends and I. To a show in San Diego, or or I could ride with a friend, right? Because people, for me, 1999 is like the end of my sophomore year, mm-hmm. so we all are getting our driver's licenses, so we can climb into cars with each other. I'm a little bit older than both of you, right? So, a little bit. yeah. So we were like getting into cars, Aged. huge deal to be able to just say like, hey, we're going to the show. What happens on the way to that show? What happens on the way home from that show? Who knows, right? Um, Drugs. Yeah. And, and another piece of it was I was playing in a band by this time. And so we're meeting other bands, right? And so there's the trading of merch. There's the hearing of this music and that. 
Um, I think about this time is when CDRs kind of started taking off yeah. as well. I was so, going to say, the other thing that I would do is just have a friend, like, burn a bunch of stuff. Right. For you, for you From younger Napster. listeners, a CDR is a, a <laughs> CD that you buy and has nothing on it, mm -hmm. and you are it. You record onto it. <laughs> that was, oh... That's yeah. what the R yeah, stands for. Yeah, and the RW was rewritable. Rewritable. Oh, yeah, the RW was rewritable. Yeah, yeah. And so th this was a time of like, check this out, and your friend would like throw yeah. sometimes like two whole albums or something yeah. on one disc oh, you for you. Like, 15, 20 different bands on a single. Yeah, yeah check out all these well, it bands. It was a mixtape, but then became a mixed CD. Mix yeah, and it's also the era of comps. Like, I feel like it's like the yes. highlight of comps. And so oh, you yeah. would go to a show, and there might be like a Kung Fu Records band, or mm. there might be a Vagrant Records band, or Epitaph Records band, mm. and you would like love that band, so you'd buy their album. Yeah. But then while you're there, maybe you heard another band and you buy it, or you would just spend your money on like, oh, there's these two or three comps from yeah. their record label or subsidiaries of that record label, and you'd buy them, you know, and you'd spend every cent you could to the last like button, <laughs> right, yeah. to buy right. stuff. That was uh, one of the one of the other ways that I would get the music that my parents didn't want me to listen to is like, so we lived 90 minutes away from uh, Palmdale, Lancaster, which is where my aunt lived, and so we'd go visit her. Uh, I'd go to the mall, I'd have like 15 bucks in my pocket, and I'd go to Hot Topic, which I oh. really liked Hot... Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I really liked Hot Topic, but... Did you get a Prince Albert in a can? Uh, that's the one that I have where the piercing is going it's the pe up it's and the through my penis hole. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, I also have the <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't want to oh, know. Oh, it's just a bunch of piercings that go down the shaft. Oh, okay. The, All right. Uh, All right. We got this. We got this. Um... <laughs> but yeah, they were so the thing about Hot Topic is they would always on the counter have like three or four compilation CDs um that were always like two or three dollars. Right? And so it didn't matter what it was, like it's the compilation CD that cost two bucks, I would buy it. Because there'd be at least like one band on there that I liked, right? Two bucks was worth it. Yeah. So yeah, the compilation totally. thing was good for kids like me. Totally. Segway alert here. You mentioned Palmdale and Lancaster. Which yeah. actually is like the home place of my favorite band. Oh, here we go. From 1999. When it, this was my favorite band at the time, for sure, without a doubt. And they were my favorite band for a good chunk of time. And it was Slick Shoes. And they're, they're from right out there in the Antelope Valley. I love to say our, fl our friends. Our friends. Our yes. friends. Our friends. Slick, yeah. Slick Shoes. Friends of the show. Oh, but anyways, yeah, I was listening to a ton of Slick Shoes. They had their first two full-length records come out at that time, one in 97 and one in 98, uh, the Rusty album and the Burnout oh, albums. Man. And uh, they still hold up to this date. I love them. Can I, I ask you a question? Yeah. I want to ask you a question about this. So we Ooh. talked about our dad's music. Yes. And, yeah, man, like, like I listen to Damn It 
I listened to Josie by Blink-182 yeah. in middle school. Like these like Buddha, Cheshire Cat kind of record. Like I was into that kind of thing. And your dad and, mashed potatoed it. Well, <laughs> and we'll get to this. We'll get to we'll get to Enemy of the State. We will get to Enemy of the State, I think, here in a second. Um, when you heard Last on the Rusty album, I think I realized what it was. It was like, here's this like pop punk kind of song that like I'm digging the lyrics that were like kind of profound like talking about like etern- like like eternal feeling legacy vibes in the song and then there's an actual fucking guitar solo like yeah. like an actual guitar solo that i remember being yep. my dad being like that doesn't suck yeah <laughs> like like <laughs> your, dad, even your, dad, your dad was like hey what were you listening to like what were Mike you just what were you music? just listening to what was that that guy just ripped that yeah solo. and it, it's like dad there's this guy jackson and he's like he's better than everyone else and jackson and jackson if you listen to this if you hear this episode dude we need to talk like why did you why didn't you play music for so long yeah, like we we needed, you. we needed you. We needed you. Anyway. I felt that about that record though, because yeah. it was like, well, here's this dude in a pop punkish band, and there's the solo from Last that almost sounds like a yeah. solo from like a Kansas or Boston record or something, where the guy's just like ripping a beautiful tone solo. And I I could play the whole thing in my mind. Actually, I can't play it on a guitar, but I can play it in my mind. I should probably figure it out someday. But uh, um. That song was actually my very number one favorite Slick Shoes song for many years until they had a song come out on the most recent record. Wow. On rotation. I like I like um I like the song um gosh, it's the second track on the record. I just forgot the name of it. I just Oh I know it, I'm not gonna tell you. Carry this. Carry this. It's carry this so good. And it and it's sort of similar in in it's sort of dynamic in the way the song goes through and then Jackson just rips a sick ass solo. (laughs) (laughs) And again, yeah, your dad's like, this doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but so they did not have an album in 1999. They did not. Right. For me, I was a, I was like a loving MXPX fan. I really like Poconaccia and Teenage Politics. We have differed on you think slowly going the way the Buffalo is their best record. That's actually one of the that's one of the bands I was going to talk about from the the pre nineteen ninety nine that I was listening to at the time. Though. Right, and I I didn't dislike slowly going the way the Buffalo at all. Like I think my my middle school or whatever it was maybe it was high school band like covered I'm okay you're okay you know or something. Um, I was a teenage politics. And Life in General fan. Those are my two favorite records by MXPX. I do think in 1999, I actually saw MXPX at least twice, though. Like, I was still listening to them quite a bit. Probably with Slick Shoes. Yeah. Um, Probably with Dogwood and some of those kinds of bands from Tooth & Nail Records. It was a a big, yeah, it was a big Tooth & Nail Records kind of, like, era, for sure.
slowly going the way of the buffalo, MXPX did come out in 1998, and I was listening to that a crap ton in 1999 for sure. It's my favorite MXPX album to this day. It's definitely still my favorite MXPX album, even to the point that you could add up all their other albums, which is somewhere around 15. And you, I've listened to slowly going the way of the buffalo more than all the other ones combined. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Do you want to guess how many MXPX albums I have in my like iTunes library? I've got my library right here. I could tell you how many I have. I just want you to guess how many Mike has. Yeah, just guess guess how many MXPX albums. I'm gonna say eight. I have in my library now. I have like regular versions and deluxe versions and some weird stuff like that. Aaron says eight. Oh no! That's what I, said. I bet you have nineteen. I have 31. 31. I don't right. know that there are actually what? 31. I probably illegally probably downloaded have. something in here, but probably like, there's a good chance not. You probably have some compilation of demos from something. I have just some crazy stuff. It's, it's, yeah. Well, I've got six of their records a little more organized than that. Anyway. Okay. So, it, it does feel, I will say, it does feel right now like we're kind of like living... Like we're kind of living this song. I have to play it for us because it, it feels like uh, it feels like we're definitely doing it. It's about time for a party at my house, and it wouldn't be the same without you. No, not at all. As I recall, you've got what I need. When you said that you had a song that you were like, oh, this is like where we're at right now, I thought you were going to play The Downfall of Western Civilization oh. off that record. <laughs> I will play The Downfall of Western Civilization right now. Yeah. Anyways. So, bunch of tooth and nail stuff in 1999. MXPX, Slick was my literal number one band at that time. Aaron, were you into anything tooth and nail at that time? Or if not, what were you into? Uh, the only thing tooth and nail I was into was MXPX. And that... That's fair. I wasn't that into them. I was just into them. Like, uh, <laughs> um... Teenage Politics was the only MXPX record that I ever owned, um, and that was, um, well, I don't know, I just never got that into them. It was the record with their first big hit. We ain't got no place to 
to go. Let's go to the punk rock show. Darling, take me by the hand. Gonna see a punk rock band. There's no use in TV shows. Radio, rodeo. Wanna get into the crowd. Wanna hit play real loud. I mean, they're they're trying to do a thing. You know, no, they it, were trying. Oh, they, they did, did that. They thing, did that. Sure. Thing. I mean, yeah, they did that thing. I never disliked it. I was into it. I was totally into it. Like I, on their live, I'm actually on their live album, the album at the show, because they recorded it. They recorded it at a show I was at, and uh, when they play, uh, what song is it at the show in it? Um, is it middle name? I think it's middle name, um, but everybody yells. I'll, at the show, right? That line, I'm actually in the crowd, and I was like, I was up moshing on top of people when they recorded it, and I looked you in the notes. Surfing? Yeah, what did I say? You said moshing, moshing on, on top, top of people. people. I was moshing on top of. <laughs> no, I stand by my word. <laughs> I stand by my word. I'd really like to see a demonstration. Sometime. Shut up, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was crowd. I remember crowd surfing at this thing and yelling it, um, and uh, yeah. The, the, then when the, sh- then the album came out and it was like in the show, in the the notes, in the liner or whatever the CD, it was like they recorded it at that exact show at wherever I was that day. You sound really good on that recording mic. Yeah, I'm stu- I come through like bells. <laughs> come through like bells. All right. Well, what's something that you were definitely into at that time, Aaron? Voodoo glow skulls. There you go. I was heavily influenced awesome. by um, Punkorama 3, which came out in 98. Um, and like I mentioned, one of the ways that I got music was sneaking into Hot Topic and buying all of the compilation discs that they had available. Um, and Voodoo Glow Skulls had uh, Bang Geek Mafia on Punkorama Can you 3? say that song title one more time for me? Oh, man. You know, one thing I did like about Ska was the horns, um, and the Voodoo Glow Skulls just, you know, they added them to punk rock music in a way that was, you know, still aggressive and still just, I mean, I don't know what to say other than fucking awesome, right? You know what else is fucking awesome? We're recording outside. It's it's like nice out here. We're in a super nice setting, and we just got some crickets. It's so good. I actually, I actually kind of like it. It's like we're camping or something. Yeah, it does, and there's a little fire over there that your son was just roasting marshmallows on. Yeah, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. All right, well, so I mentioned it, it, around that time, my favorite band was definitely uh, Slick Shoes. Who, who was your favorite band at that time? Not who released oh, an album, no. there, but like, who would you, who, if, if someone asked you in 1999, oh, who's your number one favorite band? 1999. Yeah, Mike, who was it? I... 
I would have said MXPX. Okay. I, I yeah. I think in 99, I would have said no effects. You, come on, man. You weren't what? that cool. No, he was. I, you weren't like so punk rock woke. No, he might no, have been. But we were you there, that punk right? rock woke? No, absolutely not. I was very ignorant about the punk rock world. But um, on Punk Rock 3, they have uh, We Threw Gasoline on the Fire. Yeah. And now we have Stumps for Arms and No Eyebrows. And I just thought that was the best song ever at <laughs> yeah. the time. Here, here was the problem for me was it was so hard to get music oh, yeah. that like a band like No Effects I could not buy a, a No Effects record within two hours of where I lived. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find it; it didn't exist. You mentioned Walmart and like how yeah. there was like music. Walmart. You could get a whole bunch of punk rock music at the like Christian bookstore. Like, you oh, could yeah. get MXPX, Slick mm-hmm. Shoes, Craig's Brother, yeah. bands like that. You can get, like, the Tooth and Nail comps, right? You could songs get from the songs for yeah. Penalty Box comps with, like, Zayo and, like, all these bands mm-hmm. on there. But you could not get the, like, quote-unquote secular music equivalent anywhere. There's nowhere to get it other than going to shows. Yeah. We didn't have like a record store. We didn't have a, a, a like Tower Records. We didn't have an independent record store. We didn't have anything like that. Right. So it was really, really hard to get a hold of it. So maybe that, maybe you had a little bit more access. Um, not really. Check your uh, privilege, Aaron. <laughs> right, let's talk about <laughs> it. Go back. Yeah, I, go way okay, back. so we had a warehouse records in my home. Oh, okay. Wait, there wait, you wait. Go. Until I was in like the eighth grade, I think, oh. which was like 97, 98. Oh. Yeah. Um, it closed down. Why? And then uh, people were buying stuff still at that yeah. time. I don't know. <laughs> Why did Blockbuster close? Right? I still want to go rent some VHS. Right, but it didn't close in ninety seven or ninety nine. Okay, that's it true. It closed in like twenty twelve. I don't know. It was Richcrest, California, super small town. <laughs> sorta small town. Yeah, I would say sorta small town. Sorta small okay, town. Okay, sorta small town. Um Okay. But at that point we did have like you mentioned the Christian bookstore. We did have that, and I do remember like Slick Shoes Burnout was one of the oh, CDs yeah. that um, I think uh, you know they are our super BFFs of the podcast now. Totally, and they're going to be so upset that the only copy I had was a burned copy that I got from my friend. You had a burned copy of Burnout? I did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was, ah, okay. Yeah, that's not cheesy. Burned Burnout. Oh, of course. Uh, of course. Um, <laughs> that's weird because I just cleared some stuff out of my garage and I threw away a burned copy of Burnout. No joke, like five days ago. 
funny. Um, All right. Well, we've gone in in depth on like several of the things that we were like the most into at that time, but like we can't just go in depth about every single band. But there's plenty of other bands that you were probably into at that time. So give a little rapid fire, like just two or three other bands didn't necessarily release in '99, but that you were definitely listening to in that era. Uh, yeah, go. Rancid, Guttermouth, and Pennywise. Okay, I was also gonna say Pennywise. Um, I think for sure I was listening to No Effects. I was definitely listening to Descendants, um, Ten Foot Pole. Uh, he said three. Now you're on like five. Oh, you said three. I said, said two. Three. I said two or three. I was long, I was an English no, major right. after my music major. That was fast. And I'm done, Jesse. I'm done. Gosh, Aaron. Uh, I have three more that would not fall under the genre of punk, but um, Foo Fighters. I was already into by that time. Uh-huh. And um, Third Eye Blind had. Oh yeah, yeah, Jesse. That record, that, that record oh. still stands up, man. That record was good. Stands out as a fucking terrible <laughs> record. <laughs> Um, and then, oh, and then the other thing I definitely was into then was, uh, was the band Creed. I was listening. To oh Creed. yes, 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 Jess. You know what? I respect you. I respect you. There was nothing wrong with them, dude. They had a great guitar right open. This was pre. This was pre that song. Oh, I was will it? say that's very brave of you to say. I know the guitar player's name because you've talked about it so much. Mark Tremonti. Mark Tremonti. He's a great guitar player. And, I mean, the whole Scott Stapp, like, Jesus imagery and all of his music videos where he's holding up his arms like he's nailed on a cross. It just was happening over and over. That definitely got old, but I thought they were fine. I think that they didn't deserve as much hate as they got. Yeah, they got nickel-backed pretty good. They got nickel-backed They got nickel-backed, yeah, for sure. Except that Nickelback gets talked about for being just bottom of the barrel. No. However, I mean, someone's buying those records. They're, they're yeah, still, I think yes. people play Nickelback in like parking lots at University of Alabama football game. Like, yeah. what do you call those things? Uh, tailgates. tailgates. Like yeah. a tailgate. Yeah. Tailgates. I think that 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 those. I think th- those people are into Nickelback. What do you mean those people? You know. We're giving each other looks right now. You know, you know. Jesse, what you got? <laughs> well, we, we I think there's actually more beverages on the table than microphones. So yeah, we've been we've been having some drinks. Uh what was that first thing we had? I know that Aaron brought it. Who can t- we all had one of these. What is that? This is uh Harlan Brewing's India Pale Whale. I know Harland is like a San Diego local brewery. They're they're not one of the biggest ones around that we have because San Diego does have quite a few large craft breweries, but they're they're very much up and coming. I have had a handful of beers from them recently in the last few months that have really surprised me. And um, yeah, and Harland, we, Harland Brewing. We had one this week that was just one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. Their uh, Nelson IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was India Pale Whale. India Pale Whale. There's so interestingly, I, I don't know if you read this at all. It, uh, it was a cryo hopped. 
I did read that. IPA. Yeah, that's that's. I I kind of thought that all freeze dried hot pellets <laughs> were cryo hops. <laughs> um, I I mean I we we've brewed beer together. We usually use <laughs> freeze dried hops. Are they freeze dried or just dried? Are they just dried? No. I think they must I don't, be. Yeah. No. But when. I read the label because I saw a cryo hop. I just assumed it was a variety of hop that I hadn't heard of. No, Jesse, it's not. no, it's, it's a method. I just don't keep up anymore. But if you look at the back, it says hops mosaic cryo. I believe like, it's, it's pronounced not, it's, creo. So here's the deal. I actually looked this up within the last week, uh, maybe ten days. No, within the last week, because I was like... Can you be more precise? Let's just say recently. It was approximately Wednesday. (laughs) Um, But I looked it up, and I don't remember is the truth. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was just something along the lines of... It it is what it sounds like, that they do something with freeze-drying and it being cold, and, and... Locking in the hop resins and the loop the lupulosity of it. Lupulosity. The lupulosity of it. Hmm. There's something that they do to the hop between harvesting it and getting it into there that is special. And I don't remember exactly what it is. What's the difference between lupulosity and voluptuosity? uh, One of them is uh, related to hops and the other is not. Okay. Okay, but I also just cracked another one because we all had that already. But this is uh, Rip Current, which is also down here. Um, one of the greatest breweries in the world here in San Diego. And and makers of some of the best IPAs yeah. I've ever had, which are being rivaled a little bit by Harland. Yeah. Like, these are two fantastic IPA breweries. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, this is called Murky Malarkey. It's the hazy IPA that Rip Current came out with because everyone came out with a hazy IPA in the last five years. If you didn't, you probably weren't selling as much beer as the other places. But it's uh, hopped with Mosaic Citra and Idaho 7, and I've never had it before, so oh, we don't have any glasses. I'm just going to drink it from the can then. Do it. Drink it. It's almost like a little peachy, like a peach kind of flavor. Very stone fruit going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, we have one other thing on the table, and I guess we'll be drinking this while we're talking, Ooh. but this has been sitting in my, my fridge for a while. Um, this is from Urban South Brewery, and it's called Retrograde. It's a barrel aged stout. Are I think there any it's details about I think it's it being a, bourbon. There sure aren't. Um, oh, it's Galena Brewing Company actually, and so this is a col- I think it's a collaboration. Maybe I'll get corrected here, but it's um, Galena Brewing Company in collaboration with Urban South Brewery, and it's called Retrograde. It's barrel aged stout. I thought you were gonna correct me, Aaron. Um, and this is, I think it's pretty high ABV. I, I didn't see it on here. I couldn't find it on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, it, it has to be on there. It's somewhere on here. It's also just a unless really interesting label. This some, this some um, but uh, let's try it. We all, we all have a little pour here. It's been warming just a little bit. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. To being in person. Yeah, salud. Um, I'll take the first hit. Holy crap. Um, it's sweet. Very mm-hmm. sweet. It's very, very sweet. Uh, alcohol is hidden if it's high. It's super hidden. Oh, yeah. And it's got a really, really, I love it, like, um, not weird, pruney, long aftertaste that I really, really appreciate. It hasn't oxidized whatsoever. Mm-hmm. However long I've had it, it's, it's really, really sweet. Did you find it? The sweetness, are you ready for it? Yeah. Lactose. Oh, Ooh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, it's a, so it's a bit of a milk. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a milk stout, but without, it doesn't have the... 
mouthfeel of like a milk stout. Super high so, gravity, really thick body. This is one of the most interesting beers I've ever tasted. So this is actually not Galena Brewing. Oh, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a can that was Galena Brewing that they must have not used, not filled, and they must have shipped it out to Urban South Brewery. Yeah. In, oh, it's very hipster. Yeah. Where is that? In Texas, Houston, Texas. HTX, it says on here. But there is a sticker from Urban South Brewing just right over the Galena Brewing Company. It's an extreme um, malt profile. Like, it's just extremely sweet. I think, uh, I think that main sweetness that's just... I don't actually prefer that sweetness is... I think it's the lactose. I would agree. I don't say it gives it a very um, coconutty flavor. It yep. does have a very coconut yeah. flavor. Yeah, I'm getting like mounds. Yeah. Like like it tastes That's like a mounds bar almost. I, I really like mounds. it. It's a very unusual beer. Um, but I really like it, so... There you go. We have a few things tonight. That's, that's great. All right. Well, how about the actual year 1999? I'm so, excited. So what came out in 1999 that you either have some story with, you either went and purchased it, or you got it somehow, or you probably burned it off Napster. No, it was Napster 99? It was close. Yeah. We had like Morpheus. Morpheus. We, Lime, we had LimeWire. Lime Lime okay. But, but what did you, what actually came out that year that you were into? What? So this is different than just what we listened to at the time. What came out that year, Aaron, that you were into? Oh. You can't say Death by Stereo. Why not? They didn't have something come out that year. They did. No! (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) You were also (laughs) such a dick about it. (laughs) You're like leaning in, actually. (laughs) If looks could kill, I'd watch you die. No way. It was released in 1999. But... By Death by Stereo, but what? When did you listen to it, Aaron? When did I listen to it? When did you first hear that album? Ooh, I think 2000 or 2001. Okay, uh, okay, close enough. I, I think that's close enough. So, your first hit of Death by Stereo. Yeah, it was 2000, 2001, released in 99, and, uh, you know, it was over by then. I was death for life after hearing that. Well, one of the first things I know that definitely came out that year that I specifically even have like a story about about getting it because similar to some of the things where it was like your parents were not controlling, but they were like really careful with what what you were listening to. They were acutely aware um, was something that I, I knew that it was it was an album that came out in 1990, 1999 that I I definitely wanted. I, I think one of the songs was probably in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one or two. One of those video games that I was playing. But I wanted the full album, but it was, um, uh, what's the little thing called? Restricted, uh, parental parental advisory. Parental advisory. Tipper Gore. I think you had to be 17 to buy it, and I was not 17 in 1999. Um, so I couldn't get it. But my sister bought it for me and just gave it to me because she was the raddest sister. She was like, I know you want this album so bad and mom and dad will definitely not get it for you and you're not allowed to have it, but I bought it for you because 
pretty cool. That's why I made babies with her. <laughs> yes, yes, that is your wife. But um, but the Battle of Los Angeles by Rage Against the Machine came out in 1999, and it is monumental. I'm not even saying it was by, but it is I also, um, I'll, I'll talk about that album maybe in a second. Well, why don't we talk about a few songs now? I, I'm saying that was one of the things that came out that year that that I haven't stopped listening to since. And you're, you're saying similar, but like... What, yeah, what I, 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 so, so I, that, that album, <laughs> um, I don't know that I had ever... So I, in middle school, there was this huge divide. Right, there was this big divide of like the kids that were like kind of like the, the kids that were into like hip hop R and B, and then there were the kids who were into like rock music. Oh no, there was like a whole rap versus rock thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's a whole rap versus rock thing, and I didn't really fit in. No. And I, I know I know that, and I didn't really fit into like either one. Um, I wasn't totally like a rock kid because I was listening to like punk rock, but I also like I liked I liked Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. And I had a Tupac. I had Tupac records. Um, and when Rage Against the Machine came on the scene, which was before this, like the albums before this, um, but when this record came out, it was like, oh my god! Because yes, I had been to school dances and I had been to like people's parties or quinceañeras or like whatever stuff, but I had never. F- heard a record that made me physically move like this record made me bop up and down and drive fast and listen to a guy and this is like a super profound thing for me in my life to this day and Rage Against the Machine is one of my favorite bands of all time because I mean, we had we had a, a Kwaku on a, about a year ago now which is crazy um, and yeah it's been a long time since we had Kwaku on and we talked about this at length, but I've had a new real realization lately, actually, about this. I was thinking about this album specifically, and I have the vinyl in my living room right now. I've listened to this for so many years. Is that one of the really profound things for me was that Zach looked like me. Like it was somebody yelling things, singing things, rapping things. And sometimes just like gutturally, just letting out a ah, like a noise, sometimes in a track. Often on this record, on this on this album. I think he does a lot of uh, uh, like a lot, and and it's like we could take it as cheesy, or we could take it as like I'm trying to express to you that I actually believe this completely, what I'm saying, and it 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 got to me in a way that other music hadn't gotten to me that it felt visceral i think that was the word and i didn't know that that's what it was back then and now i think about it and there's hindsight for sure but there was something visceral about listening to this album not just sleep now in the fire not just like not just testify that those are kind of more singles but like 
Voice of the Voiceless. My favorite track off the album is Born of a Broken Man. Born of a Broken Man. The bastardization of the Christian religion. Of how his like father... Because like, there's this whole like autobiographical thing about his dad in this. Um, I have some fun things too. Like I remember shattering the back windshield of my like truck. <laughs> listening to Calm Like a Bomb. Bombing through the desert. I, it's a super, super important record for me. For sure. And I think it also, like, when I look back on this era, it's, it's like a, they are a band and it's a record that, like, binds me to pop music a tiny bit. Because I haven't lived a life that was, like, super, super connected to pop music and music that, like, is kind of universally known. But Rage Against the Machine is one of those bands that, like, was super universally known, like, at the Grammys, at those kinds of things. Um, and... I have no sense within me at all <laughs> that they were at all sellouts in any way. Nope. Um, and that's like a super rare thing. Um, so I, I, I definitely, was, I feel that too, Jesse. Was uh, Voice of the Voiceless your favorite track off the record? <sighs> I think so. You know, my first favorite track, I think, was Gorilla Radio. Well, I, was the, I think that was probably the one that was on the video game. Actually, uh, I, was I was just like a punk rock kid. And so I, there was like this whole reject the radio, yeah. right? Um, what we were talking about, real big fish, a second ago, right? Uh, everybody's doing the fish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's this rejection of anything that was trendy, a rejection of anything that was on the radio. Um, sellout, right? The song Sellout, the big single from Real Big Fish. My yeah. my high school band played the song Sellout in the stands at football games, right? Um, like marching band, like yeah. like the whatever. Actually, what, I when Gorilla, yeah, Gorilla Radio was like the first song that captured me, yeah, because it was kind of like screw that, like, like turn that shit, like I don't know, it was, it was aggressive and it was yep. gnarly and it Very was talking aggressive. about being subversive and it was like it was it was kind of had the punk rock feel to it, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Raging Machine is one of the most punk bands of all time. I also at this time could not get lyrics. And so this album kind of grew on me as I actually figured out what all the things were that he was saying. And, yep. you know, eventually song, I think Voice of the Voiceless maybe became, maybe became my song. He's just so creative. You're talking right. about Tom Rell. Tom, Tom Rell. Yeah. yeah, there's right. there's nothing like it. Right. No. I, yeah, I remember um, a buddy of mine had that uh, that album, that CD record, whatever. Uh, and you know, at that time, I'd gotten into punk rock and like taken on that rejection of big radio, of like big production, anything. And that's what I loved about punk rock was it was its own thing, separate from you know the greater. And he was well known, like he yeah. was. He was like on the cover of Guitar right. Player magazine or whatever, Guitar so, World. Yeah, and before I had really heard Rage Against the Machine, I kind of wrote them off simply because so many people knew them, like the jocks at my school. The, it's like the beginning of the album. <laughs> we, li <laughs> we literally have the helicopter flying over us. This might be a while. <laughs> Uh, they look 
are missing Dale. Chester's, there's a man missing. His name is Chester. He's in gray sweatpants <laughs> and a gray t-shirt and slippers. <laughs> His name is Dale. <laughs> At 15 years old, being a white kid in the middle of the desert, not really understanding, but kind of realizing that they are singing about something real, something different, something that mattered, uh, it started to mean a little bit more to me. And the the music uh, really started to hit a nerve with me, and I liked it. You know? Yeah, like somehow the music felt just as aggressive as as Zach De La Rocha's whole everything. Yeah, he's got this uh, persona. His from whole everything. His whole everything. Um, the way he does his hair, the way he moves on stage, it's not like... It, it's a performance, but it's not like he's putting on a performance, he's just being Zach. Yeah. Right? And there's that authenticity to it that you didn't see in other bands that were popular yeah, at that, that time. Yeah. That was something that Mike said early on. I don't think he said it in the same way, but basically it was like Zach De La Rocha was 100% in, and he was sure that every word he said was what he was supposed to be saying. He was sure. Right. And I think that that's something that everybody connected with, even if they didn't realize what Rage Against the Machine was standing for. Right? You look at, in this past year... Um, so many people have posted on like social media some bullshit about uh, raging as the machine being political. And, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. If you just paid attention to them 20 years ago, you would have realized they're political. <laughs> That's their thing. And not everything like maybe I'll get us off of rage because I think we could talk about it a ton and we've talked yeah. about them before. <laughs> For me, not. That was not the entirety of who I was back then. Like, I, I definitely had other things that I was, like, into that were maybe, like, more, like, teenagery, right? I, I would feel. I, I was looking up just some albums that I know I listened to a ton during the time, and one of them was, and I think neither of you, I, I'm guessing, I'm the only one that was into this. Which is interesting, right? Because I'm the tie that binds sometimes in Try music. It. Through being cool, by saves the day. Either of you? No I, way. I I wasn't listening to it that that early on when it came out. I got into it later. So there was this interesting thing with them, like, um, their, their lead singer, Chris, he, he was, he was whiny. It was a little bit, it was, it was kind of one of the whinier voices that I listened to, 
but also, gosh, he wrote some lyrics. And they were so, like, they were so serious because I was, like, 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, but, yeah. but it wasn't like, I love you, why don't you love me? It was, like, way more gnarly. Like, way gnarly, like, I love you and his descriptions of that love over like a whole verse or a whole song or something were like, how are you even thinking about this feeling of hatred in this way that you're thinking about it? I think a perfect track from that for me that really exemplifies it is the song, You Vandal. And I think it was like the song that my friends and I were like, whoa, this song is like super intense. Yeah, so it was a combination of like, I thought the music was well recorded. It was speaking to teenage angst, right? It was creative and these weird, crazy. That was like the, my, my spleen is dripping from my pants. Right. It was were, a line there. Were, were you into anything as emo as this other than this? No. One band actually that did release an album this year, and I, I don't want to go into depth with them at all, but um, the Get Up Kids. I did have a record from the Get Up Kids. That came out in 1999 that I was also, like, fairly into. Aaron, you're giving me a yeah, look, man. I'm giving you a look. So, I had never... In 99, I had not heard of Save the Day. I don't think I heard of Save the Day until, like, 2002, 2003, maybe? I don't know exactly. But, even from the, uh, the intro of that song, if I heard that in 99, I think there's a good possibility I would have been into it. Um... And it, it's very possible it would have changed a lot of things for me. I think I'm, maybe I would have been more open to some pop punk stuff. Um, maybe just been more open in general, right? Like that uh, song that we just played was very different than things that I remember of Saves the Day. And it's very possible that I just, you know, I, I couldn't, I could not name a single Saves the Day album or song. And so, um, you know, if I heard that in 99, it's very possible I would have been listening to them, giving them a chance, and um, maybe had a broader uh, sense or liking of, of things punk rock. Yeah. Uh, there, there was something to it for me. One other thing I was listening to, it wasn't very emo or punk necessarily, but in 1999, uh, Incubus put out the album Make Yourself, and that was an album I listened to like crazy at that oh, time. Oh, man. For sure. There's a lot of tracks on there that... We are getting were, a lot were, of crossover here. There were the like, radio <laughs> hits and stuff, but like Stellar, The Warmth, Drive, uh, Pardon Me was like their first hit single that came out. Uh, spilling, spilling dark beverages over here. Yeah, I sure did. Privilege, the lead track on that song was so good. But anyways, um, that was something I was definitely listening to at that time. And uh, I, I just the warmth, man. Jesse, you don't have to tell me, man. I know. 
I, uh, like, as a teacher, even, um, the song has been, like, an important thing to, like, share with students. Like, there's just something about it that I think is... It's musically, like, super different and beautiful. It almost, like, had this, like, reggae-ish thing while also being super clear in its message to Right. The chorus is very straightforward. Experience the warmth before you grow old. Is that the right lyric there? I I don't know. For me, too, that was... You gotta remember, like, now we're, like, almost 40. I'm almost 40. You're in the mid-30s. A year behind you. Um, as a kid, going through kid things, to simply hear a song like that was, was like, a profound thing. Don't let the world bring you down. Not everyone is that fucked up and cold. Right. Yeah. So that deal. was definitely something I was listening to quite a lot in that time. Yeah. That's thank you, Jesse. I, so I I I do wanna like so there there's like a shift, right? We've talked about a couple of bands that were like not super punk rock. What I do think is true for me in this time is that I was really moving toward punk rock music a lot. And, like, from 99 forward, I would have said, like, I listened to punk music. I was in a punk band. I almost felt embarrassed to listen to a ska band. I almost felt embarrassed to listen to, like, a rock band. Because I was really a punk rock kid. And there was a a record. This is the, this, this song is actually the epitome. This one song is the epitome of a record, I think. And every single time our listeners listen to our podcast, they hear this song. And I can remember... The day, oh, we can hear some animals out here, like in the distance, some sort. Local wildlife. But every single time our, our our listeners listen to our show, they hear a little snippet of "The Decline" by No Effects, which came out in 1999. And I remember very, very specifically going over to my my good friend Caesar's house, played in a band together, and and he had somehow he had, he had some cousins that lived in San Diego, and he had acquired somehow "The Decline." Uh, by no effects and at the time it was like you know the song is super long it's 18 minutes long and it was like holy goodness right like when you hear it it's like fat mics going nuts on the bass guitar these crazy arpeggios just like it's awesome it's got all these movements almost like you're listening to like a, a, a old school like like beethoven like it's just it's like a huge project like the, the record itself is a project and at the time i knew i was hearing some like strong ideas and strong lyrics i knew i agreed with some of them like a lot and i knew others i was like oh this is like i don't know what this is it feels propaganda kind of ish I don't know about this. Um, when I look, when I look back now, and like in preparing for this this episode, I was looking at it. The lyrics to this song absolutely 
sort of recount um, in many ways I think they recount like our adult years when I listen to it now as if it just yeah. as if it just came out I'd absolutely agree as if it just came out and, and even like the the album itself like the imagery on the cover of like you know airplanes mm-hmm. and the capital and like it has almost like a 9-11 feeling yeah. kind of thing and it's it's not you know it's two years before um but the things that are being spoken to here are just if that song was written today in 2021 it would feel retrospective to me and since it was written more than 20 years ago it almost is prophetic feeling to me mm-hmm. kind of um, and what it really like speaks to me as I think about that is the things I'm understanding in my adult life are things that always have been right and so like Fat Mike the NoFX guys are so sort of, you know <laughs> old, significantly older than us now um but they were seeing the world and processing the world in the same ways, that, in similar ways at least, that I'm, I'm not doing it. And so there's like, I'll read a little section of this that I think is um, is really profound as, as somebody who's not a young buck anymore, who has a family of my own, friends who have families, and we talk about things that are, that feel bigger now, that feel more significant now than maybe they did back when we were 15, 16 years old. Um, it's toward the end of the, of the song. And so we go on with our lives. We know the truth, but prefer lies. Lies are simple, simple as bliss. Why go against tradition when we can admit defeat? Live in decline, be the victim of our own design, the status quo built on suspect. Why would anyone stick out their neck? Fellow members, club, we've got ours. I'd like to introduce you to our host. He's got his, and I've got mine. Meet the decline. And I just have this like, crazy feeling listening to it and reading through the lyrics a few times in the last few days of like the contrast between this and Make America Great Again is just so fascinating too. Yeah, I mean, at the, the time that this came out, I remember a, a friend of mine got it a friend whose uh, parents weren't as discriminant as mine about the media that he consumed um but i remember listening to it and we listened to it a lot probably like i mean at least once a week we would just sit in his room and listen to this song um which is also a record right um but <clears throat> at the time you know growing up in a very conservative Christian home hearing some of the things and like Mike said um, disagreeing with some of them like this he talks about um, guns quite a bit and at the time um, you know really having this view that like oh guns are good there are like ticket to freedom and maybe but also maybe not um, but um at the same time, trying to, at the, I think we all do this when we listen to music or consume any sort of media, we apply our understanding to the artist's um, 
the artist's view or the artist's portrayal of what's going on. And, and I find the artists are fine with that. Like, if, if, if fans bring their... If, if a fan listens to a song and they make their meaning out of it, I've, I've rarely seen an artist be like, no, that's not what we were writing. That's not what we meant when we wrote that. It's almost always like, yes, how, how it gets interpreted is what we want to ha- happen. Um, maybe some, but I also think that um, art should be the expression of the artist, right? And what I'm getting at is at the time, like, I was too ignorant to understand that, like, there might be other perspectives that I don't have, that I don't understand, that um, maybe I need to examine. I don't have to take all of them in, but some of them might be worthy, right? And now listening to that song as a, um, you know, now I'm 22 years old (laughs) and (laughs) what? I'm 12. (laughs) No, a 37 year old now in 2021, having gone through, uh, you know, a global pandemic that we haven't seen since 1914. Um, and political divide that we haven't seen since, you know, I really don't know when. Um, Civil War. Civil War. No. Is that where we're going next? (laughs) Anyways, the the point is, you know, my perspective has changed now and, like, I'm more capable of understanding Fat Mike's perspective on this. And it means quite a bit more now that I can really understand what he is saying. Um, and I'm because you're less ignorant now and less ignorant and less ignorant just simply means well and I maybe it's kind of like you've just had to be you've had to reconcile a lot yeah like, like, reconciling like, a lot people call it empathizing or something but it's like constantly being in reconciliation all the time of like yeah I guess absolutely. I don't totally understand everything that there is to understand yeah. about everything that ever was yeah and I think right? that like, everyone comes to a point at that in their life when they realize they don't know everything and maybe other people have something to teach them gosh it really hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. any other records Anima of the State came out in 99 oh we oh, are going to talk about Anima of the State <laughs> so the, one of the things I thought was hilarious because we all did kind of like haphazardly come up with 1999 right and then I was thinking about our intro to the, to mm-hmm. the podcast we have the decline yeah. And then I, I mentioned the fact, a uh, strong memory of my dad. Now, I was allowed to listen to music. Like, I was totally allowed to, like, have my music, listen to my music. Um, I had, you know, at one point I got one of those, like, five-disc changers that was, like, the big flat yeah. table, you know, and you could put five discs in. Uh, but my dad found Enema of the State, and it wasn't like I was hiding it. I didn't hide music. I wasn't like Aaron. I'm pathetic. <laughs> um but my dad got him and he listened to it. And Jesse, I'd love to hear your take on Enema of the State because there's there's um, there's one thing I do want to say that's redeeming about it to me that I want to speak to at the end of this maybe, like at the end of the talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really filthy. No, like it's guys... a, it's a really uh, what's what's the word? It's a it's a really like Older? raunchy. It's a really raunchy right. record. Right, as a porn star on the cover, even like about to give someone an enema. Yep. Yeah, I mean, these were just a few uh, goobers writing goobery music, and uh, some of it was really catchy and popular. 
and made the radio and they made a lot of money and I don't know, I was listening to it at the time and it was incredibly well produced. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, um Yeah I, I, Adam's song stands out to me as probably probably my favorite track off of it. I mean yeah, we've got the crickets are just what is that even called? They're very crickety crick, crick, tonight. Crickety, crickety, I think. Crickety crickets. Scientific term. But anyways, um, yeah, that was an album that I definitely listened to a bit. I don't know. It it wasn't even my favorite at the time. Like I still, I don't know. To this day, I'd say yeah, I listen to Blink One Eighty Two. They're all right. But at the time, I was listening to them some, probably less than Rage and less than Incubus at the time. When you were in a punk band in uh, at this time, which I was in. I wasn't. The, there were, you just like, everyone wanted you to play all the small things. It was just like the most popular, like, I don't or, think it was an American Pie, but it was like. Or Damn It. it, it or, or Damn It from Cheshire. Was that Cheshire Cat? No. Yeah, Cheshire. No. no, that was Dude Ranch. That was Dude, Dude Ranch. Ranch. I'm sorry, yeah. Dude Ranch. Yeah, I mean, both of those, but but mostly all the small things. And I do want to say that Aaron just corrected me about a Blink 182 record. I which know, is he awesome. knew it. He knew it. Um, it was like the getaway song, right? Like when the party got crashed by like the cops or something, and all the teenagers ran away in the movie. It was like, it was like all the small things would come in on like seemingly every teen or teeny bopper comedy kind of thing. Um, Adam's song, I do just want to one note on this. Um, my strongest memory actually uh, is from one of my good friends in college. Um, his name was Chase Ritter. Uh, and he, he passed away when we were in college. Uh, he suffered from some, some really debilitating illness. And my strongest memory is a whole bunch of college kids who didn't know how to deal with this. All going to a funeral for their friend. And it was like the first time I'd ever gone to a funeral for somebody that was like my age ever in my life. Um, and like he was a really good skateboarder. There's all these like broken skateboard decks on his casket at this church in Long Beach and they played Adam's song and we all just like sat there in silence while Adam's song was playing like it was like this weird surreal thing and now I can't even hear the song at all without thinking about this very very serious moment and I bring that up because I look at Blink-182 as kind of the band that ruined punk rock yeah a little bit <laughs> I think also for a lot of people it was a super super important thing and that some of these lyrics actually spoke to them sometimes in ways that like I have kind of made myself feel like I'm too good for that yeah here and there yeah so I had that too Jesse another um, another band that I think might be a little bit of like a schism band for us a little bit had a record that came out in 99 I was actually really really into their EP um, look forward to failure um, which our our last episode actually um, with Aaron from Blasting Room film he mentioned that as his like favorite record that came out of the Blasting Room Look Forward to Failure uh, by the Ataris uh, I think it was a, one year later I think Look Forward to Failure was 98 I might be wrong but I think it was 99 they released Blue Skies Broken Hearts Next 12 Exits and it to me at the time was like if you're going to do heartache pop punk edge of emo music it was awesome i super super liked that they re they brought back san dimas high school football rules which you guys know how much i like bill and ted references mm -hmm. 
Um, and it just had a whole bunch of songs that were really well written and well produced. And I, I just listened to this whole album again, kind of getting ready for this episode. Um, the other day, like driving by myself and I liked it like to this, to, like now I listened to it and I was like, I enjoy listening to this album quite a bit. You're better off without him. Don't call him. He's breaking your Yeah. Those guitars sounded really good. So I, I'm really surprised, Jesse, that you that, that wasn't a thing for you. Um I had that album but not in nineteen ninety nine. And I had friends that were in it more into it more than I was. But I don't know. I I mean, you just played that song. I like that. It sounds great. Yeah, your boyfriend sucks. I probably like it more He's now. Breaking your heart. I probably like it now more than I did in 1999. But also, like I said, I wasn't listening to it in 1999. I had friends that were were into him more than I was, but I don't know. I I missed it. Aaron, is you just can't do it. I like it. I don't love it. I don't know. Too whiny still. Yeah, it's too just it's whiny. too whiny. I get it. I get it. Mike's like it's almost too whiny for me, and I love it. <laughs> it is almost too whiny, and honestly, the Ataris like after this got a little more. A funny thing is, do you remember Jesse? Like, I don't know, five years ago or something, we were actually supposed to play a show with the Ataris. Do you remember that in PB? Okay, at with like legend a Legend Records deal, like in the parking lot, Legend Records. And then it fell apart. Something I fell did. apart with it. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, to me, the Ataris, we mentioned them on the last podcast too, Chris Rowe uh, being a part of the Blasting Room film. It, it was a band that like I was into right about this time. Within a couple of years, I graduated from high school and I like, I kind of lost music for like a year or so in college when like trans, it was just such a huge transition in lifetime. And it was a big move toward like the post hardcore kind of thing. And so there was this jump for me, like I didn't super love emo music. And so I was the kid that went from like kind of this era of pop punk, I would call it, to like, you know, the Thursdays, Thrice's, Coheed kind of like, like time. I, I made that, I made kind of a leap there of a couple of, couple of years. All right, is that it? That was. Is that, that was all a, the records we're hitting? I I think so. I mean, I'm sure uh, we could. We, we could, missed a lot. Yeah, of course. You could go on for. We could go on for a very very long time just mentioning other stuff that came out that year or just whatever you were into at that time. But but no, I feel like we've gone in depth about some some pretty solid things that we were into. Some overlap even, but yeah. If we do this again, how would we choose the year? What what what, what what's the next year? I love it. I like the randomness. Like I, I like I love the idea of random. Um, I think we could also choose like an event or something, like something something that happened, and music around that. 
We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Aaron, you, have, like, you look super perplexed or pensive about, about it. What kind of event? He is well, like, 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 I would say there's like, there are like some things that are like a profound thing, right? Like, so like the election of Donald Trump is something we've talked about yeah. a few times. Nine Eleven is a thing that's like a mark okay. our lifetimes because we all Those kind of became of adults right around that time. I yeah. think, I think yeah. that look on his face was just that he was really surprised that no one mentioned the album Clarity by Jimmy Eat World yet, and he was really into it, but he doesn't <sighs> want to admit that he was into anything that was that emo. I was also surprised that you didn't mention Straight Ahead by Pennywise. I was, I was just surprised, Aaron. That's all. Um, so you're surprised. It was like, that's probably the album that just missed for me. Clarity, I Bleed American. Like, I, 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 I really didn't hit the Jimmy Eat World thing until the next record, that's if I'm okay. super honest. That's all right. Like, I wasn't on it yet. And I thought it was a sell because it was an MTV band to me, a little bit. Yeah. Are we talking about clarity? Yeah. Also, maybe the look on his face was he's trying to decide if he wants to talk about the Human Clay album by Creed or not. Um, I don't think he does. Okay, let me just stop this conversation. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Human Clay or Creed. Um, straight ahead, I liked, didn't love. Yeah. Um, I much preferred... Unknown Road, Full about circle. Time, Full Circle. Um, uh, did I not t- say Pennywise? When we said three bands that we were listening to, I you said... Did. You did say Pennywise. I mean, Pennywise we, I, we, we both did. We both did. Right. I yeah. just I was surprised when I looked up like in my library and stuff of mm-hmm. albums that year. That was one of the albums. That I, yeah. I, was, I liked Straight Ahead. I do remember having a lot of friends being like, oh, Pennywise sucks. I liked the album. It just wasn't a standout album yeah. for me. I get that. I get that. Well, we will come back with another year. Um, we've also got some some new ideas and treats coming up. Um, now that we are back and we can like live record. Yeah, that cricket. That cricket had we'll his have own some microphone. More, we'll have it. some more crickets with us all night long. We'll see. Um, we might be recording from some some events. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. One, we've got. We've got some concert tickets. We also have some concert tickets. tickets. There's some concerts coming up, which I'm sure we will talk about intensely and extensively as those shows start coming. I hope everybody who's listening to the show is also getting out and purchasing tickets, buying tickets to see bands. Yeah. Stuff um, is open. Buy but tickets to your going favorite to bands. The shows. Don't just buy the tickets. <laughs> no, the you know shows. what? I like at least buy the tickets. I don't if give a shit if you go, go. I don't give a shit if you go. Just support yeah. the band as if much as you can. If you're not going to go, buy the tickets anyways. Yeah, um, but really, buy tickets to your favorite bands that are playing at big venues. Buy your buy tickets to go see your favorite bands that are playing at small venues, and also just go support local music at whatever venues are around you. Go, go look online at what shows are happening because bands are starting to to play again weekly at spots. Um, Venues are trying to to make a comeback and they could totally use you and your enormous bar tab. They could really, (laughs) really, really use it. Um, It's something I know that we are all looking forward to is getting back into the sweat and grime and new music and excitement of, of going to some shows, including going to some shows of some some friends of ours and some friends of the podcast. Yep. Um, we've got Death by Stereo coming all around Southern California. I mm-hmm. think they're going to be right here in San Diego. Slick yep. Shoes just booked the show. Oh, did they? I didn't oh, yeah. Z-Fest. Up in uh, oh, that's Orange right. County. That's right. Yeah. 
So we've got some friends of the show. We've got bands that we absolutely love. I know I'm excited. Bands we talk about too much to see thrice and Manchester Orchestra. We've got some tickets to those bigger shows. Those are big shows for us. Descendants are coming uh, out. Descendants are coming out. Uh, Descendants are going to be at Soma. With Rise Against. Yes, yep. No, they're playing at uh, Observatory, aren't they? Or Observatory. Yeah. I think you're. AFI think you're is playing the Observatory. AFI had an album in 1999 also. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But the Art of Drowning. Nope, not Art of Drowning. Nope. nope. Was that, oh, Black Sails was 99. Black Sails. Uh, yes, that's right. Art of Drowning was 01, I think. Doesn't matter. Anyways, yes, they're playing Soma. My wife is really excited to see them. Excellent. It's I it's, am it's looking forward to seeing them. <laughs> it is goodness. It's going to be fun. You're going to feel a new vibe from the Punk Tree Podcast as we get together and do this in person. Yeah, and feel free to hit us up uh, on any social media. Point out all the, the dozens and dozens of records from 1999 that we failed to to mention. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll maybe I'll just like do we'll do some Instagram posts of the the records we forgot. Oh, that that would be a fun little game. I like that. Yeah, like maybe that. that'll be a fun game. All right, guys. I think I think it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's so good to hang out and talk again. We did figure out the ABV on this beer, kind of. We kind of did. It was it's somewhere, somewhere between ten and a half and twelve and a half. Yeah. So if we're slurring, let's round up to thirteen. Yeah, we'll round it thirteen percent. Thirteen percent. Thirteen hundred. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us um, at the Punk Tree. We're so glad to have you listening to the show. Um, if you if you want to hit us up, there's a bunch of links in every episode description, bio, whatever you see anywhere. You can always get get a hold of us. Um, as always, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network with a bunch of shows. Um, also, some really cool stuff coming up um, as we go to like a huge podcast event. Um, so you'll see some shifts happening maybe from the show a little bit. If you hear ads happening around us, it's all good. Go check out the shows that are being promoted. Um, as they're promoting us as well. Otherwise, we'll catch you later. Um, Thank you so much for listening to The Punk Tree. Be excellent to each other.